And I'd like to welcome our lead pastor, Pastor Joe Source. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, Brian, could you grab that little thing over yes. there so I put my water on it? How are we doing tonight? Man, we've had an awesome time already. Thank God. Pastor Pam was here. She said, we can go home right now and say we had church. Glory to God. You understand? You understand what church is about? Okay, it's good now. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present the word and stuff, and that's wonderful. But church is about encountering his presence. It's about his presence. Whether that manifests through the word or whether it manifests in the middle of worship and stuff like this, we've encountered his presence here already. Some people have gotten set free. You know what? I've learned in 37 years that sometimes you'll find out days later what you got in an atmosphere like this. You find out later on. Days later, weeks later, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost will tell you, hey, this, this started that night, Saturday night, when you were at New Beginnings, when everybody else was home because they were afraid of the snowflakes. You made it to New Beginnings. I mean the real snowflakes. I guess I shouldn't have said that, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you can tell I'm getting to that age where you can say whatever you want. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, you can say it. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what that means, right? Yes. Praise the Lord. Halal to Yah. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's jump in. Oh, my God. I hope you don't have any plans after service tonight. <laughs> All right, listen, I'm going to need your cooperation because this is an important teaching. Um, you say, well, Pastor, you say that every time. Yeah, because every one of them is important. But I've seen what God does sometimes. He'll line up the season that you're in with the word that's going to come. And then that message becomes the most important thing to you in that season. You catching what I'm saying? All right, so we're in part 10 of Foundation Series. I'm going to move quick. I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to catch this fast, and I'm going to have the ability to be able to communicate it clearly. <laughs> I almost mispronounced communicate. <laughs> I'm believing, God, we're going to, I'm going to be able to communicate this clearly. You're going to be able to grab it clearly, fast. Say, say I'm a fast grabber. Fast. Okay, good. All right, listen, building block for this weekend. This is part 10. There's only two more left of this series. Building block we're going to study this weekend is what I like to call God-inside-minded. I'm going to say it again. I'll probably say it a few times. God, God, and the reason I'm pointing here is because God's in our spirit. God-inside-minded. What do you mean, Pastor? What I'm saying is that we can live a life where we're aware of the presence of God who lives on the inside of us. Aware. Because he's in there. Whether you're aware or not, he's in there. We go about our business, and you know what happens sometimes on a weekend, like you're here tonight, Saturday night, and I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. Wish you would have brought somebody with you. Glad you're here, okay? Tomorrow, there'll be another batch of people be here for two services. Right now, at our Bayville campus, there's a group of people that are meeting over there. Okay, tomorrow morning, Bayville campus, 10 o'clock. There'll be people sitting there, standing in worship, absorbing the message. Tomorrow... At 10 o'clock in Wall Township, Pastor Rick will be delivering the message up there. So we're glad. We're glad we're here to get the message. But what ends up happening sometimes at about 
sometimes Sunday afternoon, we transition into the next category of our life, unfortunately. And, and the, worst thing can, the worst that you can do with God is to put him in a box, to put him in a category, to put him in a little... Uh, how many of you have one of those things where you put all your supplements and if you take any kind of medication or anything like that, you have those little things and it tells you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> My wife says to me, you take... I said, they're supplements. You take all of them. How do you think I'm still standing by the grace of God using this? You know what I'm saying? We gain strength from there. We gain strength from the presence of God. Being aware of the presence of God and doing what you can do in the natural. Amen? 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 Amen. Okay. But I, I take them in Jesus' name. I don't just take them and say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm taking this latest one. I'm taking this other one. I'm taking this, that, and the other one. Okay, no, I take them because I have confidence that God made those elements. But you know what I'm talking about. You have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right? And so, so in our lives, we have that same thing in our soul. Some of us have marked out Wednesday. That's, that's church night. Saturday night, church night. Sunday, church night. Some of you guys have Tuesday night marked out because you're in Bible school. Some of you got Thursday nights marked out. But, but when you step out of that two-hour segment of time, what do you do? You step out of that thing now and you go, well, yeah, I go back to regular life now. And regular life usually means you're not as aware of the presence of God as you are right now. But I'm telling you, one of the most important basic foundational building blocks of your faith has got to be, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's with you constantly. You need to be much more aware that he's there. He's there. Turn to somebody, say he's in there. So, so listen, consider this, because i got to move quick. From the very instant that Adam was created, he was already very much aware of the presence of God in his life, right from, right from the get-go. Genesis 1-7, and the Lord God formed out of the dust of the ground and breathed into, formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I love that. I just love this scripture because I keep picturing it. I keep picturing God just, just hovering just over, over Adam's face and he positions himself right by Adam's nostrils. just like, and man became a living being. Imagine this, that as soon as Adam opened up his eyes, the very first thing you would have seen was God's face right there. Say, well, that, well, that was good, but that was Adam. Uh-uh-uh. In, in the spirit realm, we're better off. We have him in us. He's in us. And when Eve was created from Adam, she followed right into that same type of relationship with God until they fell for the lies of the devil. And you know the story. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip over Genesis 3. You know the story. God came to visit them at a certain part of the day, in the cool of the day. God doesn't even like them when it's real hot. <laughs> so the Bible says he would come in the cool today and visit with them. And in this one particular day, he shows up on the scene and he knows something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. You can always tell when there's something wrong in a relationship, right? You can always tell. You can look at a person's face and know there's something wrong in that relationship. Amen? Amen. And he knew something's wrong. Sure enough, they had sold out. They fell for the lies of the devil. Satan became the god of this world, little g, god of this world. And they lost their awareness 
of the presence of God. They were very much aware of his presence. Very natural, very natural, very natural. You know, sometimes when you come to church like ours for the very first time, I never forget when I first started coming to church like ours, I'd have to force myself to get in there because I was like, there's something in that room. There's something in that church. I could feel it when you walk in there, you know? And so, so, so you, you get that like, oh. But then when you keep going, all of a sudden you go, oh, well, I like this now. This feels good. I'm used to it. And they became very much used to it. Unfortunately, they didn't place any significance upon it. And so uh, they, they were very much aware of his presence, his nature, his company, until they fell into sin. And as soon as they sinned, listen, 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 they became disoriented. They lost their direction. They lost their sense of direction. They lost their sense of purpose. They became fearful and lost God consciousness and became self-conscious. Look, you're either going to be conscious of God or you're going to be conscious of yourself. When, you, when you're self-conscious, the enemy comes in and slips in right behind that. Because that's the first effect he had on mankind. They went from being God-conscious, totally aware of God, so aware of God that they didn't even realize they were naked. They were so caught up in God's presence, they lost all sense of self. It's like they only existed in God, and then they sinned. And that separation came. And mankind has suffered the loss of God-consciousness ever since. Now we're self-conscious, self-conscious, very much aware of me, 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 me. Enough about me. What do you think about me? And that's the danger in today's society and unfortunately even in the church. That's self-awareness, self-awareness, trying to find myself, trying to find who I am, even Christians. All this time, the word's been telling us to get away from ourselves and pay attention to God. You got Christians wanting to find out who they are, unfortunately, at the cost of their awareness of God. You're either going to be aware of one or the other. You can't be aware of yourself and aware of God. You're either going to be very much aware of him. You're either going to be following his direction, flowing with God. Just, and, and believe me, nobody's going to get it 100% in this life. But we should at least be heading in that direction. Or you're going to be very caught up in yourself. Have you ever met anybody that's self-absorbed? Probably not. Not a problem. Everything's about them. Everything's about them. They exist. Uh, we were in a meeting a few weeks ago. Man, I'll tell you what. I'm going to make a plaque with that one. And a lady, we were talking about this very subject. It was, it was a meeting about meeting the needs of, uh, in our community of people that are really, really suffering right now. And uh, this woman, we were talking about, you know, how some people get involved in things not for the right reason. Imagine that. And, uh, and she said, yeah, yeah, we know. It's mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest of them all? And that's how people live sometimes. Now, a person that has that kind of an attitude, they're not God conscious. They're self-conscious. And self-consciousness is not from God. You know, I lived many years, in my early years, lived many, many, many years self-conscious, intimidated, inferior. I, I didn't know who I was in Christ. I didn't know Christ. And I, I knew about him, but I didn't know him. I read all the stories, lit all the candles, went to church, a faithful little boy, but didn't know him, knew about him, didn't know the word, but I knew what I was taught, but it didn't help me. It wasn't until I met him 
And it's not until you get your eyes on him. Like it tells us in Hebrews, author and the finisher of our faith. The author, he's the initiator, and the completer. But it can't happen if your eyes are not on him. God inside-minded. What does it mean? My mind is very much aware of who's on the inside of me. It's a good thing. Amen? So, that day that they fell, their eyes were open. That's what Satan said. He said, God doesn't want you to eat that because he knows in the day that you eat it, your eyes are going to be open. Oh, their eyes were open. It was exactly what God was trying to prevent them from. The knowledge of good and evil. It was a protection. Don't eat, don't eat that tree. Don't eat of that knowledge because in the day that you do. And how many of us exposed ourselves to things in our younger years that wish we hadn't and the pictures don't go away? How many of us still hear the voice of individuals telling us, you're no good, you're never going to mount anything? That stuff doesn't go away. God was trying to keep us away from that stuff. God was trying to keep mankind away from that stuff. So they would, not, not out of control and manipulation, because he knew the best thing for us is when we have our eyes solely on him. What does it mean to be God inside-minded? It's living out of the awareness that God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, lives in you. Being more aware of your spirit man than your outward man. Because your inward man is filled with the Holy Spirit. I found myself this week going around saying this. Without, you ever say stuff and you don't realize you're saying it? I found myself going around. I think I talked about this Wednesday night. I found myself going around saying stuff like this. I'm a spirit being. And I live in a physical body. I'm very much aware of the presence of God in my life. You listening? I'm, and, and I catch myself saying three, four, five times. I'm a spirit being. I live in a physical body. But I'm very much aware of his presence in my life. See, this is the reason why it's very, very, very important for a person to be born again. Because we're spirit beings. Whether you're born again or not, you're still a spirit being. And your spirit lives forever. And you listen, listen, and your spirit's going to spend eternity someplace. Most people think, well, if I don't go to heaven, I just cease to exist. Oh, honey, you should be that lucky. It doesn't work that way. You're a spirit being. You were created in the image and likeness of God. God is spirit, Jesus said. And we've got to come to him in the spirit. Amen? Amen. So our spirit lives forever. It's just like real estate. It's all about location, 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 right? Where are you going to spend your eternity? Where is your spirit going to reside forever? The Bible teaches us that we're the temple or the dwelling place of, of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul asks this question in order to remind the people and make them aware again of something that they were very much familiar with. Verse 16, he's asking the people at the church at Corinth, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? What's he saying? Hey, guys, shake yourself up here. Wake up and realize who you are. Realize who's inside you. And the moment we became Christians, our spirits became the house of God or the dwelling place for the Spirit of God. Now listen, confidence comes with this reality. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. 
Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Who's in the world? Little G, Satan, the God of this world. Lucifer from heaven got cast out of heaven and took on the nature of God's adversity. Adversary, I should say. And when he became God's adversary, his name changed. He wasn't Lucifer anymore, bringer of light. He became Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Could somebody go next door and tell them whoever's arguing over there or talking loud or whatever it is, Joe, can you take care of that, please? It's distracting. So this is the greatest single truth that's revealed to us in the New Testament. Listen to me, please. If you go through life unaware of the greater one that's in you, you'll still go to heaven. But you won't live like that on earth. You will live more of a natural life, more of a fleshly, carnal. Let me put it this way. You'll live a lower life on earth. You're going to go to heaven. You'll go to heaven because you're going to go to heaven not because of what you did. You're going to go to heaven because you put your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Yes or no? Okay, but what kind of life are you going to live here in the meantime? We see Christians all the time, believers. Well, let me put it this way. We see people all the time that said the prayer, okay? But are not walking around aware that when they said that prayer, Jesus came into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior. He actually heard that prayer. And he actually honored that prayer. And his spirit came to live on the inside of you. So you're not a natural being anymore. And a lot of people, don't, they don't tend to get uncomfortable with this stuff. You know, especially if you were raised in more of a religious community, um, you know, full of a lot of man's tradition, you're going, what, what do you mean supernatural? What do you mean like supernatural? You're not, you're not a natural being anymore. Your spirit is alive unto God now. That's a, that's a supernatural thing, okay? When you speak, the enemy has to obey you as if it was Jesus. Now, I didn't say you were Jesus because he's given us his power of attorney. Okay? You understand power of attorney? Yes. When, you, when you are put in a position of power of attorney, you don't become that person, but whoever you're dealing with has to respond to you and relate to you as if you were that person. Right. Amen? So, so most Christians, unfortunately, and, and my goal is to make sure that, that we're very much aware, that people here that call New Beginnings their home are very much aware, that you're not a normal, you're not a, a regular human being anymore. You have a regular flesh and blood and bone body, but inside that body is the spirit of the living God who created the universe. Oh, yeah. And not just a little, well, well, Pastor, you know, I'm new at this, so maybe I just got a little Holy Ghost. No, there's no little Holy Ghost. And the bigger Holy Ghost, you figure, well, now, you, Pastor, you're saved 37 years, so you must got a big Holy Ghost. No, it's the same Holy Ghost. Turn to somebody and say, it's the same Holy Ghost. You know, theoretically, and I've seen this happen, a person could get born again and two minutes later pray for somebody and they'll be healed. Amen. You see, well, why? Because it's the greater one in them that overcame the sickness, the disease, the uh, abnormality in the other individual because that thing has to respond to the name of Jesus. You catching this? But if you and I walk around totally unaware of who we are? The devil doesn't have to listen. He responds to those who know who they are in Christ. 
He'll try to get over on anybody else. All right, I'll keep going. So, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, what, shall, what then shall we say to these things? Say, say this nice and loud with me, nice and loud, like as if this room was full, nice and loud. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I'll say this, and that God that is for us is inside us. He's not out there someplace. He's not there, God, just come down from your throne. No, his spirit came down. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years, the Spirit of God has been on the earth indwelling believers. He's not up there waiting. Well, when you sing loud enough, when you give enough money, when you serve enough, when you, when you, when you, when you pray in tongues enough, then maybe I'll show up. No. The presence of God is here tonight because we brought him with us. Hallelujah. Now, listen. Once you're born again, you're a new species of human, a hybrid. You hear a lot of talk about hybrids right now, right? What's a hybrid? A hybrid is a combination of two or more elements. We are flesh, blood, and bone human beings with a spirit that is turned on to God, walking the earth just like Jesus did, a natural born man with the Holy Spirit in him and upon him. There's an interesting, interesting thing that only appears in, in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus said that's recorded for us. Luke chapter 7, verse 28, Jesus speaking, for I say to you, he's talking to the disciples, among those born of woman, of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What's he saying? Do, do you understand the magnitude of what he just said? What he was saying to them is this. Look, from Adam until now, the greatest man of God in what we call the Old Testament was John the Baptist, okay? However, the kingdom of God had not manifested itself yet. For thousands of years, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then guess what? He showed up. So what's he saying? He's saying, from Adam until now, the greatest man of God has been John the Baptist. But in the future, in the kingdom, we would say it this way, in the church age, the least is greater than him. Why? Because you've got the Holy Ghost living in you. Everybody in the Old Testament had to depend on the Holy Ghost coming on them, but couldn't live in them. Oh, you get, we don't realize something. Nah, I wish I could live back in Jesus's. Oh, I wish I could live in Elijah's day. Oh, I wish I could live in Isaiah's day. I, they saw Isaiah in half. <laughs> I wish I could live back then. No, they were saying, man, I wish I could live. What? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. In us. The Holy Spirit could not dwell in us, could not dwell in a human being until Jesus went to the cross, died, buried, resurrected. What was Jesus saying? What are we talking about? God inside minded. He was saying this I'm announcing a new species of human being. 
He's saying from this point forward, from the time that he was on the cross and said, it is finished, it is fulfilled. From the time that the Spirit of God came upon the disciples, that 120 in that upper room, God introduced a new species of human being, flesh and bone and blood, but filled with the, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We should be so much more mindful, but you know what it is? We take it for granted. We take it for granted. So, you get anything tonight? Yes. All right, good. Let's keep moving. We impact the lives of others with this reality. What reality, Pastor? Being God, being very much aware of God's presence on the inside of us. We can impact lives this way. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul's writing, I have become its servant by the commission God gave men God gave men to present to you the word of God in its fullness. What is that commission? The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed, or we could say it this way, or is now revealed to the Lord's people. Who is it revealed to? Lord's people. You remember when Jesus was talking about the Holy Ghost? He said, whom the world cannot receive because they don't know me. Yeah, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, if you haven't been here on Wednesday nights, go listen to the audio, because I finished up the series last Wednesday night about the Holy Ghost, about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said they should receive, we should receive the Holy Spirit, John chapter 7. We should. We should. Not, and I wasn't talking about salvation, because you receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in salvation. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive the Spirit of God upon you. Two different things, okay? So that mystery was, had, was held. That mystery was a secret all throughout the Old Testament. Could you imagine that? Thinking impossible. What do you mean? The Holy Ghost could live in a person. Well, no, 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 you got that wrong. No, because the Holy Spirit lives in that building there in Jerusalem. And so if you want to experience the Holy Ghost, you've got to go to that building in Jerusalem. So, it, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I get such a kick at it and laugh out loud sometimes. They have a service right now that you can, over the internet, send your prayer request to the wailing wall in Jerusalem, and somebody will write it on a slip of paper and shove it in the crack in the wall. So there were two Jewish guys that went to, to Jerusalem. And the one guy said to the other, are you religious? He said, yeah. He said, do you, you pray, you put your prayers in the wall. You put them in the cracks, you go to the wall there in Jerusalem. You know, there's a, there's a retaining wall from the original temple. And in those cracks, you go, to, you go, go Google this. I'm not joking. So the one guy said to the other, so you put your prayers in the cracks. He goes, yeah. He goes, what's that like? He goes, it's like talking to a wall. <laughs> See, see, the mindset is, I've got to go to that wall because that's where the presence is. No, no, no. The presence is here. The presence is there. Well, I got to go to church because I got to pray. You don't go to church to pray. We go to church to encourage one another. Now, can we pray when we're in church? Yeah. But sometimes you're better off praying at home. 
Well, you come to church, you're going to hear this one's problems, that one's problems, that one's. You're going to get distracted. By the time you're done, you, you wish you prayed at home. What am I saying? Get rid of the religiosity. This is just a building. You're the church. Whether you're sitting back there or you're sitting up front, you're the church. You have, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God lives in you. If there's any place where prayer should be going on, it's wherever you are at that moment. See, if you, if you, and listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to be harsh or not trying to embarrass anybody, but if you had that mindset, well, I got to get to church this weekend because I got to pray, you're not God inside minded. You're, you're not God. And I know I used to live that way. You got to go to church. You got to go light a candle. Got to go to church. You got to pray. You know, I grew up in those churches where 24 hours a day, you had about six little Italian ladies dressed in black sitting in the front. You know what I'm talking about? I'll never forget, they used to scare the heck out of me because I'd walk in out here, Ave Maria, You know what I'm talking about. What is that? I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying, what mindset is that? What mindset? That's not a God inside mindset. That's a... That's a, a I'm a weak old worm. Uh, you don't like me. I'm going to have to twist your arm. I'm going to have to spend six hours here in order to get you to answer my prayer. That's not God inside-minded. And I could say that because I was there at one point in my life. You getting anything? Yes. 26, verse 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden for the ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What's the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know, how many of you have friends, family members, neighbors, co-workers that are not born again yet? You're the only hope they have of seeing God's glory. That's exactly what Paul's saying here. He's saying, be aware of who's in you because the only hope of that person seeing Jesus is seeing Jesus in you. But if you're not aware of his presence in you, you're not going to project him. Am I getting anywhere tonight? I had a whole better, lot better time recording this than I am tonight. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was a mystery to the Old Testament people. Again, they had to go to Jerusalem. So I, if you read the historian Josephus, a Roman, well, he was a historian from Rome, but he was Jewish. The Romans captured him, and he made a deal with them. Listen, if you let me live, I know you don't know our people, you don't know our customs, you don't know our history. If you let me live, I'll write the complete history of the Jews, and that's exactly what it's called, Josephus' History of the Jews. And he wrote it for the Romans so that they would understand these people that they had conquered. And he talks about some amazing stuff in there. Okay, he literally, he recorded in there. He, he recorded, now he recorded it, whether it's true or not, but he recorded it, that it was Pilate's wife that got healed in Jesus's ministry. And that's why she said to Pilate, don't condemn this, don't have anything to do with this man. Don't have anything to do with the condemning this, this man. He also talks about how at that time, people were saying that Jesus had risen from the dead. Talked about John the Baptist. So, but, but, but he said 
that on Jewish feast days, particularly in Passover in Jerusalem, there could be upwards of one million people that would come to Jerusalem. Do you, do you know what that means? We're not talking about today where people can fly from all over the world. Do you know what it would be like for a million people to show up in Jerusalem, traveling the roads that they had to? They would have had to leave a month before from wherever they lived in the Roman Empire to get there. But watch this now. Why did one million Jews show up there? Because they were of the mindset, if I'm going to experience God, I've got to go to that building. And, and, and honestly, getting to Jerusalem is not enough. I got to try to get within the walls of the temple compound, and I got to try to get as close to that little 15 foot by 15 foot by 15 foot room called the Holy of Holies, where only the priest can go in there once a year. Could you imagine having to wait to the, a whole year before you can get into this room where the presence of God supposedly is? You and I wake up in the morning, ah. And he's in there, and we're like, eh, we don't even pay attention. Yeah. You should have said amen or, dear God, help me. God inside minded. Okay? So the more aware we are of Christ in us, the more we will build each other up. I'll say it again. The more we are aware of Christ in us, the more we'll be, build each other up. Why? Why? Well, if I'm respectful of the fact that Christ lives in my sister, if I'm aware of the fact that Christ lives in my sister, then I'm going to respect her. Yes or no? Yes. I'm going to treat her with dignity. We might have disagreements, but I'm going to treat her with respect. Amen. Yes or no? Yes. yes or no? We won't talk about each other. We wouldn't criticize each other. Are you listening to me? You're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You see, because we're so used to this that we don't understand that Christ lives in that individual. At least, if, you, if you're not going to respect the, for the person, at least have respect for who lives in them. Amen? Amen. You would do everything uh, to protect. You would pray instead of bash and condemn. Imagine that. You listening? Are you listening? Seriously, are you listening? Because you imagine how different our lives would be if we would understand and say, well, Albert, um, I don't know him well, but you know what? I know he's born again, and I know that the Spirit of God lives in him. I'm going to respect him. I'm going to honor him. Amen. Is this a concept blowing your mind? Because this is basic Christianity. We're told to carry each other's burdens. We're told to forgive one another. We're told to make allowances for each other's quirks. Okay? We're told to do that. But because we're not aware of Christ in us, we're unaware of Christ in our brothers and sisters. Should have got a bigger amen than that. I don't know. Amen. Maybe I'll just stay up here. Now watch this now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. I got I to gotta finish this up. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Everything relies on him. Everything, everything falls on him. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, yes? yes? Verse 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 
in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God, where? In the spirit. Now, again, I'm gonna say this again, then we'll move to the next point. The more aware we are of Christ in us, the more we build each other up. Okay, next point I wanna make. This is a serious one. With this reality comes responsibility. With this reality comes responsibility. If we're aware of the spirit of God living inside of us, then we should walk different. You ready for this one? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Paul's writing to a church that was steeped, made up of people that were steeped in sexual immorality. Corinth was like the cesspool of the Roman Empire. Prostitutes in every one of their temples, prostitutes, male prostitutes, female prostitutes. Unbelievable filth and degradation. Now, people get born again and come into church, but you know, how many of you realize you get born again in your spirit, you might not get rid of the habits that you have? And everybody said? Amen. So look what he has to write to the church there. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And then as a reminder, he says this, or do you not know that your temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have from God? You are, oh, we got to read this one together. You don't have it up there? You are not your own. He says, do you understand and realize that you are not your own? Well, pastor, you know, I got dreams that I want to see come to pass. I got a life that I want to live, okay? Let me know how that goes. And, and you think we learn? We just keep banging our head against the wall and banging our head against the wall. And, and, and then I wish the Holy Ghost would just show up and go, hey, what are we doing here? Who's going to live? Is it going to be you or is it going to be me? Because we both can't do this. You're either going to live my plan or you're going to live your plan. You're going to live your plan. I'm going upstairs. I'm going to have a cup of coffee. I'm going to sit. Come and get me when you need me because I'm not going to be part of this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a, at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. Years ago, we had a guest speaker that came here, and he said this, God wants everything he paid for. You were bought with a price. What's that price? The blood of Jesus. He said, if you go buy a car, let me ask you a question, Pastor Rick. Somebody comes and buys a car, and your guys, you know, after the contract is filled out, after everything's done, they say, well, sir, stand out here. We're going to pull your car around front, right? After they cleaned it, washed it back, and made it look nice. They come outside, and it's missing a car door. Have you ever had anybody say, oh, okay. Oh, oh you don't have the car door? No, I'm sorry. Don't have oh, okay, I'll take the car. Has that ever happened? No. Absolutely. Why? They paid for a car with a door. Jesus paid for you and for me, spirit, soul, and body. You listening? He wants what he paid for. Amen. Wouldn't you? Amen. Wouldn't you? We had a piece of furniture delivered one time. 
My wife's very good nature. She doesn't like confrontation. And it was a nightstand for a bedroom set. And I turned around the back of the nightstand. The whole back was smashed down. I said, Barb, we can't call the company. Uh, you can't see it from the front. I said, but we didn't pay for a nightstand bashed in the back. We paid for a nightstand complete, just like the one on the other side of the bed. What we, in the natural, we want what we paid for, right? You go to a restaurant, you place an order. They come and bring you the food. How, oh, better yet. How many of you like when after you waited in line in Chick-fil-A for two and a half hours, <laughs> and then you get home and you look in the bag, do you go, oh, that's okay. No, what do you do? You pull out the receipt. They charged me for this. Why do you get mad? Because you want what you paid for. Well, why would God be any less? Oh, God is grace. God loves us. Do you know how Jesus suffered on the cross to pay for you? When we're God-inside-minded, we also present to him everything that he paid for. He says, flee sexual immorality. Well, pastor, uh, I don't know. You know, today, what's sexual immorality? I don't know where to start. (laughs) It's probably better off what it's not. Sex between a man and a woman who are married. Anything other than that is sexual immorality. It always goes over real big. Always goes over real big. Don't blame me. I didn't write the book. I just read the book. So he's saying, don't you know who you are? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He said, every other kind of sin that you commit is outside the body. But when you cause your body to be involved in sexual immorality, the temple is now being involved in sexual immorality. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor, for telling me the truth. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. Nobody said it's going to be easy. You run with endurance, the race that is set before us. How? You see that comma there? Look at verse 2. Doing what? Looking unto Jesus, we could say it this way, being God inside-minded, for the one who lives in you is the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we're willing to cast aside all of the junk in our life, when we're willing to cast aside and resist all the sin that so easily ensnares us, then we start living a different type of life. Oh my gosh, I got so much more to go here. All right, can you give me a couple more minutes? Yeah, it's, you know, you're not going anywhere tonight. It's cold out. (laughs) When we're willing to cast aside all that clutter, like I just said before, for the sake of hearing his voice clear. Don't you want to hear his voice clear? Yes. Don't, you, don't you want to hear his voice clear? Yes. 
I don't know about you, but I, I, I try to press in. I try to do everything. I try to just get all, the, get all the cloudiness, get away from all the clutter, get away from all the distractions as much as possible. I need to hear his voice. Why? My position requires me to hear his voice. Oh, because you're the pastor. No, because I'm a husband and a father. And before that, a man of God. Oh, oh, because you're the pastor. No, I was a man of God the moment I said Jesus came into my life. Oh, well, you're the pastor. No, it has nothing to do with it. Now, watch. My area of responsibility now requires me to hear the voice of God. Because if I go screwy, a lot of families get affected. You, you realize that? So next time God puts me on your heart to pray, pray for me. Pray for me. Okay, I got to hear from God. When, when, when uh, 25 years ago, about 27 years ago, when I got the inkling on the inside, it was time to go to Bible school. I set, I, I wasn't even going to run my business. I hired a manager to run my business so I could stay home in the morning to pray and to make sure that I'm here from God. Why? I have a wife and four kids that are depending on me to hear from God to make sure I don't screw their lives up. Well, how bad could it be? You're going to Bible school. No. I've met many people in Bible school that were out of God's will being in Bible school. Because they went. God didn't send them. They went. And trust me, the fruit showed up later. I had a no. And my wife and I actually prayed together before we left New Jersey to go out there to visit the school. We purposely took our four sons with us. We said to God, Lord, if you don't give our kids peace, we're not going. Why? They're depending on me. My oldest was only 13 or 14 at that time. I said, if we mess up, it's going to affect their lives. I will not go unless you give them peace. We had to hear from him. We had to hear from him. You listening? Yes. But, but you can't hear from him if your life is full of clutter. Yes. You've got to put aside. That's what he's saying there in, in Hebrews. Right. Lay aside every weight. You know, even good things sometimes can become a weight. If they're out of season. So, what's the most significant hindrance to being aware of God's presence in your life? We are. My flesh is. The person you see in the mirror when you brush your teeth, that's the person that's the, the most serious hindrance to you being God inside minded. Okay? Because without the light of the living Christ, I'm a dead man walking in a world oblivious to anything except my self absorbed life. Blind and deaf to the fact that my Savior lives on the inside of me by his spirit. Now, Paul knew. Paul knew this. Paul knew about this. He knew, if I'm going to be aware of the presence of God in me, I'm going to have to empty self and walk away from even the successful things in life. Sometimes you've got to walk away from the successful things in life. Listen to me. In order to say yes to this, you've got to say no to that. There's a, there's, there's a sacrifice sometimes. In order to say yes to this, you're going to have to say no to something else. There's only so many things you can fit in one life. Yes. Are you catching this? Yes. Don't keep trying to add, 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 add. Sometimes you're going to have to delete some things so that you can add some things. Otherwise, you get yourself overwhelmed. All right, I'm going to wrap this up here. I just want to read from, from Paul because this is the heart of Paul, the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament 
What are we talking about here? Not living a self-absorbed life. And you want to know something? The more successful we are, the more dangerous it is. Because when you're successful, you go, oh, man, I'm going to do this all the time. This works all the time. It's always going to work. It's always going to work like this. No, you're not leaving any place for faith. Thank you, Mark. Watch this now. Philippians 3, verse 4. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I was just saying, if anybody thinks they're a hot shot, I'm more so of a hot shot. And then he goes on to explain why. Circumcised the eighth day. What's he saying? My parents observed the strictest commandments of Moses. Because the command of Moses that, God, that he received from God said, every male child on the eighth day must be circumcised. Okay? He said, I'm of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, now when you read the tribe of Benjamin, and we read the tribe of Benjamin, you know what it does? It goes like this. When they read the tribe of Benjamin, they go, oh. Oh. I can't say what I want to say, but they said, oh, he's a bad. Because the tribe of Benjamin was the SWAT team of Israel. You did not mess with a Benjaminite. They'll cut you from head to toe. Fierce, fierce. Out of all of the tribes of Israel, the Benjaminites were the fiercest ones. He said, you think you're a hot shot? These other people think they're hot shots? Because I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. So I got, in other words, I, I don't have any foreign blood in me. Of the tribe of Benjamin. If you were there in person when he said that, you would have went, A Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. You know what a Pharisee is? The most legalistic individuals in Judaism. They took 10 commandments and made over 600 of them. You can only work this far. You can eat this. You can't eat that. You can go here. You can talk to that person. Woman's got to work 10 feet behind. All kinds of commandments that God never made. Okay? So he said, I came out of that group. But watch this now. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the what? The knowledge of Christ Jesus. He's saying, I, if, if, if I got to lose everything, if I got to step out of everything, if I've got to lose my reputation, if I got to use my standing in Judaism... In order to become God inside-minded, guess what? It's all going. It's all going. I count all things lost for the excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. Anybody got a King James Version? It says I count it as dung. You know what dung is? <laughs> all right. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. In other words, not being so self-conscious, but being God inside minded. That I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. No success, no amount of things, no amount of busyness or mind clutter is worth missing out on the intimacy that comes when we're mindful of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this affected Paul so much. It affected him so much that God, the Holy Ghost, uses Paul to write Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 35. Look at this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Look at verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying, I've gotten to the point where I'm so focused on him. I'm so God inside minded. There is nothing that's going to come and put a wedge between me and him. My focus is on him. My attention is on him. I know that I'm filled with his presence. I know that his spirit lives in me. None of these things move me. Could you say this with me nice and loud? He is in me right now. I can do all things because he's in me. I know him. And he knows me. I am God inside minded. Amen? Amen. Hold on to this church. Hold on to it. I apologize for going so long. I don't apologize in the beginning of the service, obeying the Spirit of God. Sometimes you got to take time to do that. I pray in the name of Jesus that every single one of us would seek, would strive, would pursue. If you're going to strive for anything, strive to get the junk out of your life so you're very, very, very much mindful of his presence in you. You'll live a different level of life. Amen? Amen. If anybody needs prayer for anything that wasn't addressed in the beginning of the service, please come on up. If you need prayer, if you need prayer for this subject, there's people up here that will pray for you. The Holy Spirit will help you to get rid of all the distractions in life so that you become God inside-minded. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight.